for two blokes talking tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. For the latest news and information about technology. It's fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two blokes talking tech. Very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Yeah, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two blokes talking tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading episode 271 of Two Blokes Talking Tech. Thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au. Trevor along with you from eftm.com.au. Joined in the comfort of the Tech Guide uh, Test Studio Home Theatre. Stephen Finnick, good day. Good afternoon, Trevor. Great to see you again. It is. It's wonderful just to be here, Stephen. We are together. We should confirm. We're not over the phone. We're no. here together again. We are together. Stephen's gone to the trouble of yeah. uh, making sure there's enough light in here <laughs> that if anything happens with the lighting, yeah. we're not we're not plunged into darkness. Is that a, is that a um, right. is that a reference to the South Australian um, yeah, our South Australian listeners? Well, someone published something really funny on um, on social media. They said, "Well, yeah, finally, South Australia's achieved zero emissions." Yeah. <laughs> I thought, oh, no, I thought, <laughs> done the hard way. <laughs> I thought the best one was um, you know click here for a live stream. <laughs> from uh, South Australia, it's just a black screen, it's just a black image. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not good. other people's misfortune, though, mate. It's, Why uh, not? It's, it's hilarious. Do you see the towers? They've fallen tough. over. Oh, but imagine, can you, you know how hard it is when oh, it's like, without electricity. Like, you know, it's back to the Stone Age. Like, yeah. What do you do? I know, but it's still, I've got enough yeah, EFTM batteries to last yeah. me six years. So <laughs> You haven't given them all away yet? No, I've given most well, of them away. people have given them back. Oh, <laughs> I've got mine so tucked away somewhere. Yeah, I think yeah. it's in a bag, at the bottom oh, of a bag yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Cheers, it's pride of yeah. place. Thanks very much for your support. <laughs> Two blokes talking to. We started last week's podcast talking about drones, and geez, it was a big week for drones with those four different drones announced. Massive. This week, we've got another drone to talk about, but first, I think more importantly, we should talk about what's happening today. Today is the day that the Civil Aviation Safety Authority regulations change for drone owners. Now, it's actually not that remarkable, but it is a big deal for people who actually want to do something with their drone. Now, the rules about where you fly, when you fly, how you fly, stay exactly the same. You still can't go more than 120 metres. You can't fly within 30 metres of buildings. You can't fly over crowded public spaces. You shouldn't fly within five kilometres of airports. All these different things. But... Now, as a owner of a drone that is under two kilos and, you know, I love going up the coast or into the country and taking photos and video, I can now sell those photos and videos or I could rent myself out. I could say, hey, uh, local council, do you want me to, you know, take some video of the big park that you have or something, you know, and and I can charge for my services. So I can commercialise my usage of the drone, which was something that in the past was not possible. It was illegal. Um, And to do that... It would cost you a bit of money to get that licence. I looked. uh, It's 1,400 bucks, was it? Oh, more like nine grand because you you had to buy a man... You have to have a very specific manual like okay. the the pilot's manual and there's people wow. that you could write your own but it would take you decades yeah. so you would buy them so you'd buy the manual you do the training course you do the licensing in the end it's about eight or nine thousand wow. dollar process right so I, I looked at it and i did think about it mm-hmm. and i was actually thinking of doing it until i kind of got enough hints and rumors that castle were going to change yeah. these it's pretty significant this i think we're, we're with the and we should we should specify that under two kilos 
that's all of your mainstream consumer drones. Yeah. We're talking the Phantom 4. We're talking the new GoPro, the Mavic, the new one we're going to talk about in a minute. All of those other drones, I think the 3DR, Solo, all yeah. those drones fit in under that category now. So now suddenly anyone who's got a Phantom can now suddenly become a professional photographer. Yeah. But one thing I was chatting to someone today about this is – one thing that hasn't been relaxed, if you do want to take it up uh, commercially and earn some money, one thing that hasn't been relaxed, apart from the laws, of course, yep. but it's the public liability. If you want to operate a drone commercially, you need to, the first thing the company is going to ask you that you're going to be working for yep. is, are you protected? Yep. And so that's, that's another whole issue that we can talk about. But that is something that people have to consider as well. Yeah, look, it's not as not as easy as just showing up and, and doing your thing because you can be liable for what happens and that that's the case. At, this is the thing about drones, right? I love my drone, love flying it. Um, don't expect to make a career out of um, selling photos. But what, what I love is the idea that I could film something quite mag- magnificent and I could have it as a stock bit of footage that I might be able to sell at some point to someone who wants it. Great, no dramas. I don't intend to be on a real estate agent and stuff trying to sell yeah. myself as a drone no, photographer. door-knocking real estate agents? No, no. Because that, and that's one of the <laughs> things, right? Real estate agents might seem like the best recipients of this change, yeah. but you can't... Uh, 90% of real estate can't be filmed this way because yeah. you can't just fly on the street in front of a house and take a photo. That's yeah. actually illegal. Excellent. You're above a road. You're in, in within 30 metres of a, of a building. Yeah. Now, out at Dural, Cherry, uh, Dural, Kellyville, those kind of areas, you might find a property that's big enough mm-hmm. to be able to just fly up and take some beautiful photos of. Yeah. But the vast bulk of people selling property aren't selling those kind of properties. Yeah, we should we should also point out that another, another law change is that if you – you can also fly a, a sub-25 kilo drone above your own property, yeah. which is significant for farmers and, and people like big landowners yeah. that they can survey crops and I think they've got drones that can spray their crops and survey their, their, their land and stuff like that. Mm. And that is another change today. But apart from photography, everyone thinks, oh, it's all about just having a, just taking photos. But you, you think about all the things that people have spoken about the possibilities with drones, you know, the farming aspect is huge. Yes. Surveying, you know, people talking drone deliveries and all those sorts of things. There, there's plenty of use cases here. Even just this week, they're using drones to 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 sweep up and down the beaches on shark patrols. Mm. So if anyone thinks a drone is just a glorified camera, there's a lot more to it than that. And these new laws are going to open it up. But here, here's my fear is that with these, this deregulation – is it going to become a, a case where people think, well, it, it's you don't need a licensing, so are they going to assume that the 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 laws have been relaxed as well? That, that, that's the I think the worry that some people have, and, and I think so. There's the problem I have with the I guess conversation about this, let alone the reporting, is the most vocal in this conversation thus far are the people who are licensed operators. They're filthy because <laughs> they they spent $9,000, they they did the hard yeah. yards and they think it's it's all the upstart. So they're, they're crying foul about the safety of it and all that kind of stuff. Look, yeah. it's going to be just as unsafe as it is today, but there's going to be probably a, a slightly higher percentage of imbeciles out there who think that they're yeah. doing something something now that's legal, but it's not. Mm. Now, I just hope that CASA put a bit of weight behind, you know, enforcing that and, you know, come down hard on a few people over the early increase, stages. Do they increase the fines? They no, there's increased? no sign of that. still hefty, the fine, though, isn't fi- it? The fines are, are very fluid anyway, anywhere from $850 up to, you know, 8000 so it's always yeah. very fluid. Yeah. Um, 
and basically the process for drone owners is actually really, really simple. you just got to go to the CASA website. You've got to register yourself as someone who wants to do this. You don't have to provide much detail at all, and you only have to do it once. You don't have to do it per flight. Yeah. Um, so very simple to do. Um, and and I think, I think a smart, simple, good move, but we just need to make sure that we all come down hard, uh, responsible drone owners and reporters, on any idiot who does something Absolutely wrong because right. we need to make it very clear to people what's right and wrong. I've, I've spoken, I'm, I'm in the middle of writing a story about the new drone laws and the, the, the dangers of, of drones near airports. So as we know, my, my brother-in-law, who was our silent audience member mm. last week, he's a, he's a pilot, Anthony. He, he's given me some good quotes actually for my story that I'm going to publish shortly. But yeah, a two-kilo drone could bring an aircraft down. It could, it, he was telling me about an incident in Singapore where a large black drone went under one of the wings, missed the engine, thank God, but that could have been a cataclysmic result there. Like, yeah. So people thinking, oh, it's only a little drone. Well, it, it, it might be small to you, but so, you know, a bird can bring an aircraft down, so can a drone. So yeah. just be really careful out there. So then following on from last week's conversation, DJI, which you would, you would absolutely call the consumer market leader in drones, yeah. announced a new drone this week, the Mavic Pro. And this thing, hilariously, <laughs> is almost the same as the GoPro Karma in many ways. It's yeah. very the, – the, the legs where the, where the blades are on fold in. It's very small and lightweight, very portable, new portable and smaller controller. Um, the only real difference is um, in the Karma's favour is that the camera comes off and becomes a you know stabilisation system. But in the Mavic Pro's favour, and this is why I award the, the fight to DJI in this week, um, this thing has the – reasonably advanced um, collision avoidance systems. It actually, they've done something very smart. They've doubled the sensors on it. They've got two GPS, two, um, mm-hmm. two, two of everything, so that any failure means it can still work well and fly because, you know, we know some people who, whether it's their own fault or someone else's, they've crashed into the ocean. And um, <laughs> <laughs> most... You know who we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> he likes to blame uh, DJI's yeah. uh, sudden loss of power. What's that saying? A bad tradesman blames his tool. <laughs> Is that, is that the same? Oh, we expect g'day, the tweet. G'day, g'day, Rob. We expect the tweet, Ziggy Zaggy. Um, but no, I mean, the thing is that any failure of, of a drone at this point could cause you know quite yeah. a bad bad um, but, loss of the of the aircraft. You mentioned the collision avoidance. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of people are under the misconception mm. that these devices, these drones, well, the Phantom Four and possibly this one, are crash proof. Oh God, no! There's only collision avoidance from front on. Yeah. If you go sideways into something, then mm. you're on your own. Which, as Rob drives along <laughs> listening, knows that's how I crashed. Mine in my worst crash was going sideways doing this panning yeah, shot, yeah, and I just went straight into a wall. I mean, yeah. it was just you know happens to the best of us, mate. Yeah, as oh, they absolutely. Say. Not not in the ocean though. I mean, that's embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but the collision the avoidance was good though. Oh, I saw yeah. the footage. Was the great. collision avoidance here is like it operates up to 36 kilometres an hour, so you can be yeah, flying that's, that's amazing, along. Yeah. I, I I, mean, I really want to test it, but who's yeah. willing to give me the drone to actually test that on? Like, I want to know yeah. how it works, in what circumstances it does work. It all in theory looks great, right? Yeah. But I, I don't know anyone pushing their drone to the extent that 
it's actually gonna gonna you know test those powers. What about the range on this thing? Seven, Seven kilometers. kilometers. Hello, what it's is illegal for a start? Exactly. I know. Like, but I think line of sight. You lose sight if it, if it goes beyond four hundred meters. You can't see it. I don't know. My eyes are pretty good up to a kilometer. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, what with binoculars in front of it? Oh, they're just good up to a kilometer. That's my <laughs> okay, number. Right. The old Walker Road police are they around, <laughs> mate, or what? <laughs> yeah. um, but I thought about that, right? I thought, well, is that just Swinging, you know the seven K thing because they're they because GoPro goes nothing like that. GoPro is basically kind of Wi Fi signaling. Yeah. You know, it's like four hundred meters at your best. But be on it. Who's going to send there? Who's going to send it seven kilometers away? Well, who's going to do that? No, but let, let's just go backwards a step and go right here. Let's say you had the. Um, let's think about that technology, not the use case of this as a consumer drone. Man. I mean, is is it too much to say search and rescue at 50 metres? So you're going to have your choppers and, yeah. and planes flying around at 100 and 510,000, you know, looking down. Yeah. What's to say you wouldn't fly a drone at 50 metres just on yeah. a constant, you know, search over the ocean at seven kilometres out, let alone over, over parks and bush? I mean, you know, yeah, sure. seven k's is a long way and that's not a bad thing. That's feature a, to have. To give you an example of how far that is, like I'm, we're, we're here in my place. Uh, I'm, it's an eight-kilometre drive into the city. Mm. That's that's nearly that far. Are you trying to make the point that I live a long way from the city? No. <laughs> yeah, that too. But no, that just give you an idea of the distance. Are. You'd, be, you'd be in Surrey Hills with a drone from my yeah. place. Now everyone's just that's gone to a map and they've drawn a circle. Yeah, a circle. Where does Stephen live? But it is a bloody long way. It is, mate. It is. But I'm just thinking, just, just with the GoPro, the Karma, how many times have you seen this story online this week, Karma v. the Mavic? Yeah. Well, I've seen them on an I think, yeah, yeah, I noticed that. But how – I think personally that they're two different customers. I think that the, the GoPro Karma wow. is your surfer, cyclist, skater – who just wants to capture the moment, whereas your, your DJI customer is a photographer who wants to get some nice footage. And it's not, gonna, I don't think a DJI photographer is going to be filming themselves mountain biking down the side of a mountain too often. I think there's a lot of crossover you know? though. Like I look yeah, at myself, right? In yeah. my, my kit bag used to be a couple, a couple of GoPros to do the like car videos. Then I got the drone and you'd fly the odd bit of car. And then, see, the stabilized vision is a great thing. So if I can combine that without having to buy multiple things, because one of those stabilized is 300 bucks, right? Oh, yeah. So I think there is, if you're doing a Venn diagram, the overlap yeah. is large. It's yeah. not, they oh, are absolutely. two markets. Absolutely, yeah. But the overlap is large. I, I, one of our other listeners, uh, Matt Wise, uh, he, I sent me a text message earlier and just said, sold my Phantom 4, now which one to buy? Oh, like, sold it, really? Sold his Phantom 4 because wow. this is this is such a big leap forward. What did he get for it? I haven't, I'm going to reply and ask that. I was having a nap in the car when he asked. <laughs> You were, you were napping in the car, yeah? You weren't parked outside of school or anything. Were you? <laughs> it is school holiday. It's school holidays, thank God. <laughs> no, I just like to take advantage of those moments Little in the kids, day. Yeah, you know. Don't You're talk right. to strangers, okay? Don't talk to strangers. That's our only advice. Here's the thing. Some bloke knocked on my window, scared the absolute yeah. bejesus out of me, right? And I've just gone, Jesus, buddy, oh! And I've gone, mate, you've left your lights on. I've gone, oh, thanks, mate. Cheers very much. <laughs> Or did he want to make sure he didn't OD or something? What was he worried about? <laughs> he you? He thought you OD'd or something in the car. I was giving up the ghost. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I don't disagree. They're two different markets, but I think there is yeah. massive overlap. Put it this way. My Phantom 3 Pro, I have no real need to get either of these two. I know that's what I'm telling myself every five minutes. <laughs> I have no real need for a Karma. I have no real need for a Mavic Pro. But if I was going to get one, I'm going to say Mavic Pro because mm. some of the features, so it does have this thing where if you're going up a hill 
um, it, it will it will keep the distance to the ground, yeah, so it'll it actually tracks, it'll yeah. track itself and go up. Oh, I mean, but, that's pretty but, cool. But that's the only difference. So for anyone who's tossing up, and mate, I'm dead set on the fence. I, I, I if you tell, I couldn't make it in my mind up if right now. If you put now, the, both of them in front yeah. of me, because it's a fifty dollar difference. Yeah, it's hard. I could not. But- Decide today. It's it's the things that are probably swinging in the Mavic's favour are those other features, the the tracking and the the, the range and all those things. Like all it would take for, would be for GoPro just to do, do an upgrade, whether it's firmware or what they could do, mm. and they're getting closer. Then I'm not sure GoPro because mm. they've only got the one camera, right? The tracking capabilities, let alone the collision avoidance, is because of the mm. two extra cameras on the on the Karma on the Mavic mm. Pro. See, they're coming at it from different directions, aren't they? Like DJ, yeah. DJI are coming from the drone direction and putting a camera on it, whereas mm. GoPro have come from the camera direction and made it into a drone. Yeah. Well, DJI don't see this as a drone. They see it as a system, yeah. a stabilisation system to suit all your needs. Yeah. Um, look, if you're the, I think it's this way. If you're the kind of person that uses a GoPro for any form of activity, cycling, motorbiking, surfing, yeah. whatever it is, then the Karma has some, mm. like the stabilisation on a, you can put the Karma on a helmet for Christ's sake, you can put that stabilisation yeah. grip on a helmet. It looks a bit stupid, but it will it will be amazing. So but maybe that's the... That's in the terms thing. of value, I think, you know, the GoPro, you get the controller with its own screen. You don't yeah. have to use your phone. You get the, the stabilisation that you can use outside of the drone. You get the backpack. You get all this stuff. Yeah. Whereas the, the Mavic Pro, I think you just get the a battery, you get the controller, you get the drone, and you got to pay extra for the bag, you got to pay extra for a spare camera. There, there's other expenses involved. So that, for the retailers, absolutely, there's mm. definitely an upsell happening there. But if if people are still struggling to make their minds up like we are, that could tip it in their favour. Do you know what? And this is going to sound ridiculously somewhat, uh, I got I guess insular, but when you look at drones. Like, we are going to look back on this period in five years and go, geez, we were not at the forefront. I mean, yeah. we, were, we witnessed the forefront. Absolutely. Do you know what yeah, I mean? There's totally. not a lot of technologies like that apart from smartphones today yeah. Yeah. that we can say we witnessed this thing. And even smartphones mm-hmm. and tablets are exciting, but they're kind of just evolutions of computing. Yeah. This is so frigging new. Yeah. It's so amazing yeah. that I think it is pretty exciting to be part yeah, of it. Yeah, no, I agree. And I just hope that we just keep 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 sensible about them because – all the all all the doomsayers are, are, are predicting drones to be crashing into each other above the airport in front of people's houses and things like that. So, ho- hopefully, that won't be the case. Look, there is going to be more people flying. No if doubt. If I could cast a magic wand upon the industry, it would be to get them in a room and say, "Right, don't no more drones until they talk to each other." In the same way that yeah. planes have beacons that talk well, to each other and that kind of stuff, yeah. that they should they should the, the technology exists that yeah. it's probably a five dollar center that they all put in that's united that simply yeah. turns well, on. And, and sets off a little beacon and, and yeah. it makes the thing pause in mid-flight yes. at the point where it it's detects called, another drone. Uh, what's the term? It's a transponder. Mm. There, there could be a point where all drones are required to have that so that an aircraft could see it. An aircraft could say, oh, okay, there's a drone yeah. 200 metres that way. Uh, at least that gives them and another level the horse level of bolted, But seriously, the, the 10,000 that might be in the country now, like they won't exist in five years. People yeah. will have thrown them, upgraded them, whatever, crashed them, yeah. crashed them all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's one of those things that in 10 years from now, if we had yeah. drones all regulated, known and, and identified, well, it's then it's a matter of time, it, it, It's a matter of time. CASA, CASA will, will, will think about that. There are no doubt listeners of the podcast. They've, oh, heard, no, they've, heard, they've heard our advice. Yeah, well, I won't bag them. Transponder in uh, every drone. But they are very, very slow bureaucracy. <laughs> and you got them on your show, is that right? Oh, yeah, have <laughs> them on the radio tonight. So, Hi, Pete. Don't bag them before you talk to them. <laughs> I won't publish this until then. Uh, two Blokes Talking Tech, episode 271. Thanks to the good folk at Netgear. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fitz.
Well, it's grand final week, Trevor. For those listening in, it is, is it? Uh, it is Thursday. We're not normally recording soccer. Wednesday. No, it's the AFL and NRL grand finals. Mm. And uh, so I understand you'll be uh, will you be covering for a certain. Yes, I'm covering for Clinton Maynard. Yes, so I'm, uh, I'm, I've got to do the radio for six up, hours on Sunday. For, shout out to Clinton up up Cronulla. Is that what he's going to be? Turn seeing? on your porch lights, folks. Yes, that's right. <laughs> but uh, the AFL, they're massive events, obviously grand final uh, in both codes. But I found it really interesting that Telstra release some uh, some information about the live streams throughout the regular season. Now now that we're into the final series or the end of the final series, Telstra had some interesting info about the number of streams, the most popular teams, the most popular games that uh, that were covered, that were people streamed mm. on their Telstra devices. And we should point out that Telstra customers have the choice of a season pass either in the NRL or the AFL as part of their plans data-free, so they can tune into a live match of their choice. And here's the thing, before we go into the numbers, this is a revolutionary announcement in my mind. This is the first time I have seen any online streaming provider of any sort release numbers. And we're not talking, you know, the, the best number I saw was, you know, overall fan stream, just over 2 million hours of NRL on the live app. That's a great stat. Love it. But it means nothing to me in terms of how big the audience is. For them to go and say, okay, here's a game and here's how many people watched it, mm. is huge, mate. Mm. Huge. You think? Could you imagine if Stan, Presto or Netflix published yeah. these kind of numbers? Well, I think the reason Telstra did it was because a lot of – for a start, the numbers are great. And secondly, that the number of people streaming the game on their devices in most cases outnumbered the people that were actually at the game. So there were there were some there were some games there where there were like fifty nine thousand people live streaming at the same time, mm. and there were probably would be twenty five thirty thousand people at the game. So, that, so that, the that golden point match between Cronulla and the Titans had a total of basically sixty thousand people, mm. right? But at any one point in time, they had a moment which was during the golden point where twenty nine thousand people at the same time simultaneously were watching that game, which in TV terms you would call peak audience. Now. 29,000 is a great result. Congratulations, good number. 59,000 is a great result overall. But it's a drop in the ocean compared to television. I think that's mm. that's what's important now. And I don't think Telstra is ashamed of that. I think Telstra knows this is the, again, this is the beginning of the streaming revolution. Absolutely. This is a very early days. Yeah. In 10 years from now, we, we might not have broadcast rights to, yeah. to, to football. We might only have internet streaming. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because they've, they've built a system that needs to cope with 59,000 people, but in reality, it needs to scale five times that load. Mm-hmm. Can it, will it, when will it, and those kind well, of questions. Yeah, well, you're into, I think they did a test last week, the week before, of 5G. And, and its capacity, and we're talking like 20 gigabits per second over yeah. wireless, which is remarkable. So I think down the track, these networks are going to have this inbuilt inbuilt capacity that mm. can do that on its ear, I think. But interestingly, uh, while we're talking about NRL, the Sharks-Titans game you, you mentioned, uh, one of the grand finalists was actually uh, one of the most popular teams in the yeah. NRL streaming, and that's the Cronulla Sharks. In fact, they were they played in three of the top five games that year uh, that were live streams, and they're in the, the GF this week. The um, 
the growing audience of uh, the fastest growing audience, were, apart from the Sharks, were also the Raiders, who who fell a match short last week. They, they made the qualifier, and the Gold Coast Titans. I think the Titans, on the strength of having Jared Hayne on board, he signed late in the season, so I think that really pumped up their numbers. And the worst performing team was the Rabbitohs. I mean, an no, outrage. No, it wasn't. Oh, wasn't it? You didn't no, get that. They they saved you from that bit of data. No, they didn't send me that bit of the yeah, data. Yeah, interesting, man. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> um, down south in the AFL, this is what's more interesting to me. Yeah, I actually. <laughs> I, I mean, they're they're not terribly big. You know, you got the average audience of thirty four thousand. There, there's some good numbers there, but the the AFL's biggest concurrent live stream number was two hundred and sixty seven thousand. I had to That's text crazy. Dougie, who sent us the data, and say, "Mate, did you <laughs> put the comma right? in the wrong spot?" <laughs> Because we're, yeah. we're dealing with, you know, 30,000, 50,000, and then you look oh, down no. there and it's 20,267. I thought it was meant to be 267. Yeah. 206. That's a TV audience, folks. Yeah. That's a Fox Sports yeah. audience, right? 267,000 at the same time watching an AFL match between the Hawks. Is that who Hawthorne is? Yeah. And, um, St Kilda. Yeah. Who are they? They're the. Um, <laughs> They're definitely not Saints. Saints, St. Kilda. Saints. Saints. That's how much I know about AFL. That's a stupid nickname for a team too. If you're St. Kilda, you'd be the St. Kilda somethings. Anyway. St. Kilda Devil. You can't Anz- be a Saint and a Devil, can you? No, probably not. That's a classic. Anzac Day weekend uh, match. 267,000. It's a blockbuster anyway. It's a massive game. For sure. But that is a Fox Sports style audience. Absolutely. Those are the kind of numbers that Fox Sports get for their live sport all the time. So this is interesting to me because it shows, A, let's not uh, under underestimate the power of the AFL in this whole, you know, yeah. future world here. And it could be that the AFL therefore go first in the whole, you know, breaking out streaming rights, mm-hmm. you know. The bottom line, next time rights become available for pay TV, free to wear and everything, streaming will be a bigger factor. Simple as that, without any question. Well, you th- look, look at where you can stream now. Like, apart from forget your mobile devices, you can stream to a smart television. Hmm. You can stream right on the best TV, the best screen in the house. Yeah. So, absolutely, that's going to be a factor. But um, most popular team, who do you reckon it was? AFL team. Well, I, I think I going by going by the same theory of who's doing well, the, the Giants would have to be in there, wouldn't they? Uh, it's Carlton, actually. Carlton oh. were the most popular. Uh, but the fastest growing audience of uh, 2016 on streaming was the uh, Greater Western Sydney Giants. Heartbreaking to watch Followed that game last yeah, weekend. Yeah, disappointing. Carlton. I'm a, I'm a last five minutes kind of spectator, so I watched the last five minutes. I'm sure the whole game was riveting. It was, but... ter- it was terrific, yeah. And the most popular game was the Fremantle v Carlton game. Uh, but the most watched play was during the Anzac weekend, as you said, 267,000 live streams. Crazy. But, uh, yeah, the GWS were up there. Carlton, Sydney Swans also uh, had, had uh, were, were popular. And I think their average audience is, you know, 34,000, 30,000 people. That's... Mm-hmm. That's that is that's that's NRL stadium style, right? That's yeah. you know if you if if the NRL, if the Parramatta Reels or Bunnies yeah. had an average stadium attendance of thirty thousand, right. they'd be happy, wouldn't they'd be they? On fire, yeah, exactly yeah. right. But, so uh, really. Uh, Really interesting numbers, and I full credit to Telstra for releasing them. I know it sounds ridiculous, but it was a, it do you know what? Great, they didn't a lot need of details. Great story. Yeah. It was great chat on radio. Good chat for us on the podcast. But the, the stats were. You've, you've already rating our chat. Sorry, just what? seconds after having the chat, you had you're rating it. It's good chat, was it? <laughs> okay, it was a good chat. Expect your feedback on chat. that, Ziggy Zaggy. <laughs> But, no, but I had feedback saying, "Oh, those numbers are fascinating." Oh, People yeah. were saying, "Oh, it's great. How good's that?" Yeah. I would have feedback about Especially this. Especially shark supporters. The, the guy who said it was a fascinating statistics is a shark supporter. Yeah, what a shock. Yeah, yeah. they're the most popular team in the NRL. Yeah, no, look, I I think, what, you know, it's a, we digress but and, and we won't go into it, but I think there will come a time, despite the fact that they're private companies, they don't need to, that um, the market will somehow determine, just 
push Stan Presto and Netflix towards some form of, of numbers. But see, the reason they don't need to publish numbers yeah. is because they're not trying to sell it. They're not trying to exactly. sell it right. to advertisers or marketers. And uh, it's really just going to take a leak because I'm assuming that people know. I'm assuming, um, I don't know, comedian Jim Jeffries got a you know special on Netflix. I'm assuming yeah. they tell him how many people watch. Yeah, right, you'd think there'd be some data on that for sure, but I forget where I heard this. But HBO have got a service in the US where you can just HBO be on HBO, and one of them uh, it was a producer. I can't remember who it was, but he said, "You know what? You'll be surprised how few people watch the shows mm. because they're massive shows, and because they're on HBO, it's it's an all encompassing vehicle that." Everyone thinks, well, it's, if it's on HBO, it must be great. Mm. But, uh, you know, well, obviously Netflix, Game right? of Thrones, all these massive shows, you'd have a massive audience. It's the same with Netflix. Yeah. It's, it, and don't, never get stuck in the Twitter bloody hyperbole, right? You, you'd think the world was revolving around people on Twitter, but if you go on Twitter, it'll all be about Netflix, Stranger Things, Narcos. Yeah, yeah. Mate, it was. Walk, yeah, yeah, yeah. walk around East Gardens, <laughs> champion, and ask people, hey, have you seen Stranger Things? And they go, yeah, there was a bloke back there asking me questions about Stranger Things. But that's about as close as it'll I get. I watch Stranger Things. I know, but Did you're you a Netflix it? watcher. You watch no, it? I watched one episode and went, whatever. But <laughs> most people, the majority of people yeah. don't have Netflix. No, I, I don't I care tell, what the numbers say. You know what my ratings gauge is for Netflix, Netflix stream Netflix. programs? Yeah. Social media. If, like Facebook is a really good gauge. I know my friends were obviously like-minded and we like the same things. Facebook but are different a to Twitter. Gauge. Facebook different gauge. to Twitter, right? Yes. Yeah. So no, I, I agree. Now there's there is a lot of um, there is a lot of uh, hype around some shows on Twitter. Mm, but I thought Facebook, you going to say there's a lot of wankers on Twitter. No, no, not at all. No, there is. <laughs> but no, I think you like me to list Facebook. <laughs> Facebook is a bit more. Um, a bit more of an accurate barometer of the uh, the quality of the shows. And, and I saw people commenting about Stranger Things on Facebook and it's what spurred me to watch it. Yeah, right. And and I and it, I, I haven't been let down by that Facebook buzz yet. So hopefully it'll still continue. high on the Facebook buzz of Stranger Things. <laughs> it is a really good show. It, it, I think it's eight episodes. Yeah, it's it. set in the eighties. Wow. It had a real had a real goony sort of feel to it. You know, the, the classic movie from the eighties. It had that sort of feel to it. Um, you know, you're you're a child of the what the nineties, mate. Oh, what are you you're, trying to say? Aren't you forty this year? Is that your fortieth yeah, birthday? Which, what you, I was born I in know, the seventies. I know you. I know you are younger than me, which you you never fail to remind me. But I'm, I think I'm only seven years older than you. That's Eight, old, old, mate. <laughs> seven years. That's okay. You were you were seventeen when I was ten, mate. You're old. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll let, I'll let you just because that. the percentage gap changes and gets lower over the years That's doesn't make good. the. That's all good. <laughs> But you know what? It's only a number, is that? But you know, as long as you don't look old, that's what I try. You're to only do. as old as the woman you feel. <laughs> is that right? Uh, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Amanda, for the other day. Uh, <laughs> two blokes talking tech. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long. And we do it all thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au. For your uh, home and small business networking solutions, check out the Netgear range of uh, uh, routers and, and range extenders. We can't wait for the Orbi to come to Australia before Christmas, but... 
Right now, your Nighthawk X8, uh, the mother of all routers, will give you tri-band wireless performance throughout the home with all the things you need in the modern age, beam-forming, quality of service. They have active antennas, which uh, bring a better signal, better quality signal into the modem, um, and a whole range of great features for you to customise your network as well, um, including an auto-switching between the, the two 5G networks so that it can automatically sort all your devices out. Great little product uh, from Netgear, the Netgear, Netgear Nighthawk X8, um, the powerful performance uh, you need in your home networking, especially if you've got a large family or you're doing high internet um, capable activities like streaming. Check it out at netgear.com.au. Stephen. Yes. Trevor. Do you use the internet on the toilet? Yes, I do. Wow! He thought for a second, am I going to go there? And then he well, went there. I've, yeah, you, I've, I've, by using the internet, I mean I've got my phone. In, I haven't got my laptop in there or anything. <laughs> but I've just got my phone or maybe an iPad yep. or something. Yeah, yeah, Maybe an iPad. Yeah. That's a revelation. Yeah, yeah iPad. Or, I'm going to say right now. the 21st century of taking in the paper or, the this, book, or your book. This is my argument, right? Hang on a minute. You haven't answered the question yourself, though. Yes, I do. Good. Okay. Right? Well, and we're, I we're think in agreement there. there are many other very, very much more personal questions which get asked <laughs> and people people would always shun the answer. But when it comes to uh, internet usage, I, I guess it's a funny one, that that question, because so many people are like, oh, it's disgusting. Or, what are you talking about? We used to take magazines and newspapers <laughs> in there all the time. Do you remember, What's do the that, big deal? Do you remember that Seinfeld episode where George Costanza oh, yeah. takes the book in there? He takes his shirt off. And then, uh, well, that's another episode. But he takes, he goes into this fancy bookshop, yeah. takes this book into the toilet with him, yeah. and, he, and he says, oh, he tries to put it back. He goes, oh, no, that's it's been flagged. flagged. You've got yeah, to buy it now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my wife. My wife's the bookkeeper. She's filthy about it. Wouldn't have it. And I'm like, you're not using my phone, so what's the issue? Anyway, 33% of Australians admit through an NBN broadband index survey that they use the internet while on the toilet. So we have to assume that means their mobile phone. I don't think we're talking computers, but yeah. let's not delve into the question any further. An elaborate desktop setup, you reckon, in the bathroom. <laughs> Gaming. Um, <laughs> maybe, oh, jeez. That's probably what a lot of those people do, actually. Anyway, um, the other one that got me was 28% of people use the internet when they wake up in the middle of the night. Yeah. So not when you get up in the morning, it's the first thing you do. When you are woken by your own needs or just because you can't sleep <laughs> in the middle of the night, and you know what? I'm in that 20%. I'll reach over really? every day and I'll go, right, what's on Twitter? Just That's quickly. That's one thing I do not do. Yeah, because you're also very, very strange. You don't keep your phone near the bed. You no, have a phone downstairs. I turn it off and leave it down. Yeah, I, I, I just... Mate, I don't want... What about the day when I urgently need to record a podcast with you at well, 3 o'clock in the morning? You're going to have to send me an email. I'll get it when I wake up. That's um, yeah. that's unbelievable. I, I, I need some I need some time away from it. I think uh, I, I think people could take this advice that they should, and, and the rule is in my household. Because he's an elder gentleman. And when when your when your kids are old enough to have their own phones, right? The rule is turn it off, and it can't be within reach of your bed. Turn it off and leave it off. Put it away from yourself. Give because how many people and, and like this is pretty serious. A lot a lot of kids, especially school kids, they spend all this time texting late into the night on the on the phone. They wake up, they're exhausted. They, they haven't slept, a, a, had a good night's sleep, and it affects their their learning the next day. They're not focused, and and it's. I think it's an issue, and, and Thanks, I, I, the last thing I want to have is if, like, you know, if, if my son is out or someone's out and I, I need to be in touch, of course I'll have it near my bed, but yeah. nine, 99 times out of 100, it's turned off, it's down here in my office and I'm, I'm asleep without it. Turned off, that's the thing that gets me. I'm happy with putting it off. out of reach, but off. off. Yeah. 
Couldn't do it. Yeah, so you leave your phone on 24-7. Well, I get calls at, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning. So well, I'm, I'm, up, I'm, I can't, up, I'm up by then anyway. I don't so want to get up. Call me, I only want to get up if I'm needed up. Yeah, you know, I get up. I, I'm at the gym at six in the morning, so I'm, I'm, I'm my phone's turned on at five thirty when I'm awake up. So it's only like a six hour when I'm asleep that uh, my phone is not on. But the, 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 anyway, but 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 the, the another stat though is mm. is how many people first thing when they wake up, yeah, connected to the internet, which which is anyone who turns their phone on is going to be yeah, doing that. Yeah, yeah. So which is nearly all and of like seventy three percent of people use the internet while they're watching TV. Yeah, no, right. no, no scoop there, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, this, this is interesting data there, and that's the headline stuff that gets your attention. But what's interesting to you, this was done by the NBN, obviously, yeah. an annual index. And there's a couple of things, some really good results in regional areas. Regional areas are quite in, enjoying the internet more now than ever. Yeah. And obviously uh, fortunate results for the NBN, but all, also I predicted. I love they included that. The satisfaction the, ratings were quite high. Anyone who had People who use the NBN are, are happier than people who don't have it. Yeah. And that's like just rubbing it in my face. But yeah. good luck to them. And that just shows that it is – and you know, I'm not a patsy for the for the here. I just think it shows that it is a good thing. It is a positive thing for us to have in society, let alone in the community. So, do you know what? Bring it on, I say. And I think it's great to show that people are happy. Yeah. With the NBN. One stat that caught my eye was how much more we're using the internet. Mm. And I think one of the stats was that compared to, well, this year, they said in 2016, we are going to spend 22 more days Mm. on the internet Mm. than we did in 2014, just two years ago. We're going to squeeze in 22 more days of connectivity in just two years. Since wow. in two years, that that's a quite an increase when you think about it. That's that's a, a several like an hour a day or whatever it's going to add up to be. But twenty two full days on the internet, yeah, very interesting. And uh, the data and, and the results are all yeah are all available at, at EFTM and Tech Guide. But here's what's more interesting, and you can you can go through the detail. But we were both going to become part of the cable NBN solution, and it now turns out that you and I. Uh, part of the multi-technology mix because uh, we've got fibre to the home, we've got fibre to the node. I'm getting um, high fibre, hybrid fibre, coaxial HFC uh, connectivity. You, so you're getting, but you're because I'm Telstra, you're right? Telstra, I'm Optus. You're going to get so fibre to the driveway, fibre to the curb. They called it, and they spelled curb with a C. Did you know that the American C U R B instead of K E R B? Curb is that's how you spell curb, isn't it? I K- would go C K E R B. That's the curb. Who cares? Do you know what? Anyway. I'm just going to put it out there because I bagged someone on last week's podcast. I think it's narky to be bagging because someone wrote an article about that today. Yeah, no, I know who it is too. Who's bagging the spelling? But he's right though. He's right. Anyway, is he's digress. Can we do a survey of Australians says, who gives a shit how you spell curb? <laughs> well, would you spell it C-U-R-B? Like curb your enthusiasm? Yes, probably curb. I would. No, but that sort of curb is like, you know, they want to say you know what? I make curb mistakes. your dog or curb People your make mistakes. I don't understand, but the curb that they're talking about, in my mind, would be spelt K-E-R-B. Okay, Someone made a mistake. His hashtag Ziggy Zaggy, what you think about yeah. it. But- hashtag Ziggy Zaggy. Someone made a mistake. Should we expose them online for making a mistake? Of course not. But bottom line for me is that I've got that nice, you might even be able to see it from here, the nice thick black cable outside mm. my, that goes along the telegraph poles. Yeah. That's my HFC, my hybrid fiber coaxial connection yep. that the NBN purchased from Optus, I think, for a reported $800 million. Mm. Yep. Uh, and now they're going to. Well, no, that that that's the contract rate if they if, if they, they use it, it. Aha. and they've decided not to utilize it in full. So what they're now going to use is use part of it because there is fiber in there, right? Yeah, yeah. There's fiber in there. So what they're going to do is bring that fiber now, and they're going to bring it down and terminate it into the street, into the 
curb, Bring it sidewalk. Well, I, I checked the NBN website and it said that I was due to be uh, connected the first half of 2017, which mm. is next year. So I'm hoping that doesn't affect that timeline, that timetable. I hope it but, does, uh, just for my sake. I have been affected. Yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks for your support there. Whether I'll be sitting here in 2020 waiting for me bloody NBN, <laughs> we'll uh, wait and see, I guess. Anyway, so uh, details uh, of all those great stories at uh, techguide.com.au. And we know Dyson. How many products do Dyson make? How many Dyson engineers have you interviewed over your life? I've interviewed a few Dyson engineers, <laughs> as a matter of fact. Yeah, they Dyson come out of today. the woodwork, the Dyson <laughs> yeah. engineers. Oh, they were saying, oh, we've, we've got – it was because Dyson's represented by two PR firms. And um, I was talking to one of them today and they said, oh, we've got planning for next year. We've got, well, how would you feel about talking to a Dyson engineer? I said, I think I've spoken to them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like 900 of them. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. what else can you do apart from bringing out James, which, who's been out here a couple yeah. of times. And his anyway, son. And his son who came out for so the lighting. So there was a, an engineer in, in town uh, just a week or so ago talking yeah, about a they, new product. They launched a new range of products that are uh, that are actually air purifiers. Mm. And I don't, know, I don't know whether you went to this event. They had they had a home in um, in Rose Bay or Point Piper somewhere there. And it was a beautiful home. They had all these different little stations set up where you could see all the different airborne risks in your home. And they had they had a, a, a woman there. She was a professor and talking about the effects of you know, cooking odors and and pets and mold, and, especially and when it's food you don't stuff. like. Ugh, yeah, the effects but, are but, awful. But at the end of it, I'm thinking, wow, your house could kill you if if you've got allergies and hay fever, and, and there's all these airborne dangers. Uh, and the way that our homes are built nowadays is that they're designed, they're sealed, so designed to keep heat in and the cold out. And therefore, will keep all these airborne pollutants mm. in as well. Yep. And, and in fact, the study that they cited said that there's probably more pollutants in your house than out because they're trapped inside. Mm. So, with that in mind, Dyson thought, well, there's a market here for to combine a couple of products, which is the air purifier, but also uh, have that as a as a, a cooler or a way to to for, as a heating product as well. Mm. Mm. And that's what, exactly what they've done. That they they've created three new products. There's two that are just Basically, a Dyson fan with an air purifier put into it. Two, there's a, there's a floor version, a desktop version, and there's the hot and hot and cool mm. heating cooling version as well. And they've they've taken that technology and they know how to move air around quite efficiently, and created these devices that can take like absolute like micro particles and ninety nine point nine five percent of the time filter mm. them out of the air. And there's two things that I continue to think about this product and the demonstration I had of it, which is um, firstly, uh, also it's app connected. Very, very. Yes. It's the first product yes. and I think that's a sign of things to come with yeah, Dyson, definitely. that the product is app connected. So you can, I can imagine vacuums to be app connected as well because, yeah. you know, tell you how many cycles it's done and whether it needs to be yeah. emptied and all that kind of stuff. But this thing at a glance remotely, you can see the quality of the air inside the house. Yeah. Now, that, that was important, I thought, because you think, okay, is is it purifying the air? Like how yeah, yeah, you yeah. needed some kind of So you can see on a graph. You can see on a graph. But the other thing is, the demonstration they gave me was they picked up a can of air freshener and sprayed it. And I went, what? So by spraying air freshener at the air purifier, it went, whoa, whoa, and it started blowing like a gale because air freshener is just full of chemical particles, yeah. right? It's full of particles and it's going, this is yeah. crap, this is smelly, this is disgusting, <laughs> and it cleared it. Yeah. This, is, this was really interesting to me because I went, Okay, get rid of the Glen Twenty. I mean, you know, it was yeah. it was very the interesting. The demo we had was um, they had a they had one the bottom half the air purifier part was in a box, and they filled it up with smoke. 
mm-hmm. and then it went, it went into overdrive and sucked all the smoke out in like 30 seconds. It was clear of smoke oh, yeah. in that in that little. It was like a, well, a box. It in, resonated you know. with me because my son Jackson has dust allergies, uh, right? Dust mite allergies. Yeah, so yeah, his right. room has you know plastic protector on the mattress and everything. Yeah, right. So the, he doesn't have soft toys. He, he's you know yeah. any sniffles and okay. you know he's, he has a dust mite allergy diagnosed. And it, this it's thing, not uncommon though, is it? No. It's not uncommon. Yeah. I, we're going to put this thing in the corner of his room because yeah. I'm curious, genuinely, if this yeah. will have an effect on his quality of sleep. And if it does, this will just blow like blow yeah. out of the water any any potential that this is not a required product. Now, yeah. I, I did say to them, uh, Dominic, I think his name was the engineer, I said, look, I mean, it's a bit different here. Singapore, Japan, these smaller countries, very, you know, the, the air quality is poor at the best of times yeah. outside. Um, it's a bit different here, mate. Look outside; it's beautiful. I mean, yeah. and all, I know that I know plants and trees have got all pollen. And so that's like that. I think the market for them is people who suffer from hay fever. And yeah. At this time of the year, if you're right. sniffing well, they and they call it rhinitis, some condition in you, mate. There's no need to be like that. It's like calling it a rhinoplasty. I mean, yeah. come on. Another Seinfeld line. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm full of them. I'm full of it, but that's okay. Um, yeah. No, no, I think I think yeah, people with allergies. So Absolutely. if you're if you're flipping Telfast all the time, this this could be the product for you. So very interesting product. Yeah. Um, not cheap as no Dyson products are, no. but um, well but, worth. But a you look. think about it though. You 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 killing two birds with. One stone, so to speak. So, yeah. if you want to be heater, cooler, yeah, and have your air purified air, then then why not? Yeah. So and the point is, it sits in the corner, it does nothing if yeah. it's on auto, and it will just turn on and, and circulate yeah. the air and purify it if it detects something. It doesn't have to be on all the time. Yeah, and and it's uh, and the app control is, is phenomenal too. And that again, I agree, is going to be stock standard on future Dyson products. Uh, and uh, the but you know, you, you mentioned before your son. Your son's got the sensitivity. It's surprising the number of people that do have that, and mm-hmm. that the next day, or they've been sniffling all night, or coughing, sneezing, whatever they're doing. Then following day, they're just a wreck because they haven't slept properly. This could really improve someone's quality of life if, yeah, if they right. if they suffer from it. So yeah. definitely worth a look. Two blokes talking tech details at techguide.com.au. Now, just quickly before we move to your minute reviews, I saw this awesome um, thing this week. I think it was actually in – it got to the News Limited publications and stuff, but it was on a startup uh, website. Um, Young bloke named Eugene and and a friend of his, Chloe, uh, 23 and 24-year-olds. Australian? Yes, Sydney-siders, came up with a product that is now in about 13 Sydney schools, just a a test bed. And, mate, my first thought was, why didn't a parent invent this? Um, and secondly, these guys are never going to work for anyone else. They're going to be millionaires and they're going to have – what a great life. It is a an RFID tag for clothes. Mm-hmm. Now, think about the tag that's in your credit card that you tap and go with, right? That's the basic concept put in your mind. You buy a school uniform for your kid, whether it's the hat, the jumper, whatever, and in the tag on the back is this chip. It's waterproof, washproof, doesn't matter. That's all good. But then on the back of the tag, there's a code, a unique code and a mobile number. You as a parent, you get the new shirt, the jumper, whatever it is, you get that ta- text, the, the, the weird code, mm-hmm. and you text it to that number. That registers that product to your mobile number. Oh, wow. Now, when little Jackson, let's call him um, hypothetically, <laughs> leaves his jumper one day, hat the next day, bloody lunchbox the next day in the playground, it all gets swooped up by someone, a teacher, I guess, and thrown into the lost and found bin. Yeah. The lost and found bin with rag tagged, which is what it's called, R-A-G-T-A-G-D, they lost the E, but let's not go there, um, rag tagged, there's RFID you know, sensors on the lost and found bin. Yeah. So as soon as the hat goes in there, sends me a text. Uh-huh. Sends the parent a text saying, Smart. lost property found, yeah. it's in the bin at, at the school. Losing the hat is very common. 
Mate, how many we hats you got? Two through? hats for each two hats for each kid. It's bloody unbelievable. <laughs> you know, and I'm telling you, this will resonate with parents. And the great thing is they've only been trialing in Sydney. It's obviously gone really well. They've applied for a global patent. Yeah. You imagine this thing across Sydney, let alone across Australia, and now, my God, in America. Yeah. And and the other thing is they they say, oh, it's probably a little bit more far fetched, but they can have lost and found bins at the r- 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 railways and different places mm. like that. So you could actually tag your yeah. own products as well. Um, oh, I just great thought, idea. good great on them, idea. 23, 24-year-olds. And a great place to start with with school uniforms and stuff where they know they you leave a Captive jumper behind, market. you leave a cat behind. It's, uh, it's, it's a very it's smart good. move. Yeah, so well done. Oh, I put details of that and as well as an interview with uh, Eugene, one of, the, one of the two co-founders up at EFTM.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, Stephen, you have spent some time um, casting your – Highly trained and much more um, efficient and uh, just better eyes over some uh, 4K Blu-ray content yes. um, via a Panasonic yeah. Blu-ray 4K player. Well, I'll uh, yeah the the UB900 from oh, that's the one. Yeah, it's uh, this product. I'll got I'll I'll be perfectly honest with you. Was so good. I yeah, bought so it for good. myself. I was going to say, so good you lost it? Oh, so good, I bought it. Wow. Oh, that's how much I liked it. I gave it five out of five. This is the – if so you it's want over watch, there in the rack now, is it? It's there now and the review Listeners, unit, the I can, I, I can confirm the review yeah. unit is in a different room. Yes, it is. He yes. has actually bought yeah. – no, that's well it's done. my one, my one. Yeah, yeah I'll give stuff back, but I'll give my review products back. I sometimes do. <laughs> but look, I can't say enough about this. It's, it's uh, you know, we have seen other players in the market and, and, and someone – Let's cut to the chase. Why is it better than the Samsung 4K? Because I thought that looked great. Yeah, it, it's better than the 4K because for a couple of reasons, it's got this, this the 4K Chroma processor on board. Now, a lot of people don't know that Panasonic in the film industry are quite well known in, in the terms of their color correction and all of this stuff they do in the background. They've brought that technology to this player to make the picture really pop, the accuracy, color, the depth of the image is just a standout and they've done a, such a great job with it. It also allows you to go into the features. There's, there's a lot more it, – it's a bit of – I'll call it a bit more of a fussy player. So you need to actually have – if you don't have HDR, it's going to maybe cost you a little bit. If, if it's – if you it, it automatically examines the TV it's connected to to tell you the best uh, bit rate that it can play at. So there's a lot of – you can get your hands on a lot of those details right. as well as the best thing that I did, though, was set everything on automatic and let it do all the heavy lifting and decide for me what the best settings are, which it did beautifully. But you can get in and muck around with the settings if you wanted to. So it's more than just a HDMI port plugged in. Absolutely right. And and But that's the thing, too. We've had the HDCP 2.2 conversation before. This absolutely adheres to that. Everything needs to be right in the chain. Uh, so I tested it on my 4K projector, which is non-HDR, and on the 65-inch Panasonic, their latest uh, UX900 series, uh, with the, which has HDR, 65-inch TV, which is which is beautiful picture on that. The the difference was minimal, even though without HDR, it still looked terrific on a, on a big screen in here. But the the step up in quality from the Samsung in my opinion, was noticeable. And people are saying, well, look, I can buy the Xbox One S and have 4K, which you can, and terrific if you want to do that. But as I explained it to someone online, I said, look, why would I buy that if I want to buy, if I could get the Xbox? I said, well, 
why would you buy – why do some people buy Ferraris and other people buy Hyundais yeah, no, for and, the and same look, difference? We're not um, not trying to sound elitist here, but, you know, what you've got here in your theatre yeah. is a home theatre. It's yeah. it's not like it's – it's not like my man cave where I've just thrown a projector up and a, yeah. and a thing on the wall, right? I've put no effort into that other than I wanted a projector that had good quality and would throw yeah. at, a, at a good rate and a Absolutely. good size, right? You've got a, a proper screen. I'm throwing onto a, you know, an eBay screen. Yeah. Um, you, you've invested in the control system, all those things. Yeah. It would be ludicrous yeah. for you to buy the cheapest the, the, 4K Blu-ray yeah. just because it exists. The best explanation, like people say, why, why would I spend $500 more on the Panasonic? I said, well, if you've, and I've mentioned this in my review, if you've gone to the trouble of setting up a decent system, it, it'd be like driving a Ferrari with the cheapest tyres you could yeah. find. Like, and look, you, to, you might as well cap- go the whole way. To put it really simply... I haven't published mine yet, but my review is simply this is without probably without question the best 4K Blu-ray player you can buy today. But for the majority of people who just want to finally take advantage of 4K on their two-year-old TV, get an Xbox. Like that's that's absolutely, that's yeah. absolutely my and, point and of view. I, and I said to, I said to the guy that was chatting with me on on my Facebook page, I said, look, that's a great product and it's a perfect entertainment device. If that's what you're after and that does the trick for you, then then that's great. But I think this this takes it to another level where if you want that added quality, you want that added convenience too. It can take can play straight off a USB, can play it off straight off an SD card. The upscaling on it is fantastic as well. That's one thing that the Samsung and the Xbox won't do. Mm. The upscaling from Blu-ray, especially to 4K, is the best I've ever seen. Right. It is brilliant. Uh, the other thing too is that it's got a really good. This might sound funny. It's got a really nice remote control. It the does remote actually. Is it's really nice. Yeah. Backlit as well. The Samsung remote control is like really small, mm. no, hardly any keys on it, not backlit. This has taken that extra step to provide that added quality to the remote, the backlit keyboard, the whole package. You're getting it from the quality of the of what you the picture quality right down to the quality of the machine and the remote. Uh, I couldn't fault it. Stephen's review of the uh, 4K Panasonic Blu-ray player is available now at techguide.com.au. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, Stephen, this is uh, this is an interesting one because it's a product that looks very, very similar, but really, it's completely new. Absolutely, and is that a series two on your yes, hot little wrist there, Trevor? Yeah, yeah. and uh, they've given you black, um, black watch band as well. What is with that? What? The, what are you trying the, to say? The, I got the white band with the. What did you get? The black stainless steel. I got the silver stainless yeah, steel. Because I, I told him I wanted to put my black uh, metal link right. band on again. I was told you just get what you get, mate, and just shut up. Is what I was told. <laughs> you get what you get, and you don't get upset. Is exactly what I was I, told. I never get upset. Yeah, all good. But we're talking about the Apple Watch Series Two, and um, this is, as you mentioned identical to what we saw with the original Apple Watch. The, yeah. Well, we can't call it Series 1 because Series 1 is actually a new one, a yes. new one so it's Apple Watch original. And let's be clear, there's actually now three, <laughs> three Apple Watches. Watch there's the original Apple Watch, there's the Apple Watch Series 1, which is the original Apple Watch with the new processor, and there's the Apple Watch Series 2, which is the original size Apple Watch but completely <laughs> rebuilt on the inside with waterproofing. <laughs> Water, waterproof, uh, built-in GPS. GPS. Uh, it is. I think now this. Can I preempt this- your review by asking you a simple question? Yes. I had, no, no. This is a genuine question I had online yesterday, mm-hmm. and I've not had answered. Um, have you tried the Nike Run Club app on it? No. I had someone tell me that it has gone from a four star to a one star rating on the App Store because it just doesn't work. It's not using the GPS. But there is a Nike version of the watch series. Yes, too. but there's also the Nike Run Club app, which. Ah. 
um, for people with this, just the Series 2 that haven't bought oh, right. the Nike thing. So it's not actually doing the GPS it's, stuff. It's supposed to work with third-party apps as well as the Nike Plus app, That's the right. GPS. So yeah. you can leave your phone at home so it's not That's working right. for them. Wow. So interesting thing to test. You're a Absolutely. runner on you know, I will, I will do that. I, I actually ran with it yesterday or the day before yesterday. But um, the look, I think what, what really simple – what this does is bring it now to the customer who looked at it the first time and thought, nah, not waterproof, no GPS, I'm buying a Garmin. Yep. It brings that customer to the table now. Uh, still, my, I reckon, in terms of the sort of being uh, sort of the whole, apart from the, the fitness aspect to it, but the whole rugged aspect to it, I think, is another thing that detracts yeah. from it. It's not, it doesn't look like it can handle a beating like the, the Garmin's yeah, and the Suntos, right. all those other devices where, you know, people are going hiking and mountain climbing, doing yeah. all those sorts of things. Yeah. Those customers might still, might still be there, but those who are sort of really into their fitness and monitoring their health, they're, they're definitely going to – it's going to tick the box for those customers. Yeah. Uh, you know, it works really well underwater. I, I haven't had a swim with it, not quite warm enough for me yet, but I have showered with it and put it underwater and done all that with it. The GPS works really well without the iPhone as well. That's going to be a, a relief Just to a some note, people. listeners, he hasn't gone to the trouble of going for a swim uh, for your benefit. For the benefit of the review, he did <laughs> not go cold. for a swim. Oh, poor, dry your eyes, Princess. <laughs> but look, bottom line, I think now people who were, were hesitant about buying the original Apple Watch, I think a lot of those customers have now got a great reason to buy it. Yep. So Apple Watch Series 2 now available and uh, Stephen's full review at techguide.com.au. Right, now that's a wrap, Stephen, uh, episode 271. Thanks to our good mates at Netgear, netgear.com.au. We'll be back again next week to talk more sh- uh, stories <laughs> um, and tech, and uh, we look forward to coming to then. You can find us both on Twitter, Ziggy Zaggy, the hashtag. Um, I'm at Trevor Long, and you are at Stephen Fennick with a PH. Talk we, to you then, mate. We should point out before we go, Trevor, that this is our very last podcast for the month of September. Ha! You got me. <laughs> <laughs> I normally so, get you a beauty with those ones so and you got yeah, me. Just yeah. just wanted to just let people know that. Oh, that yeah. Thanks, cheers. Okay. Cheers. That's really, really good to know. <laughs> you should have said a look on your face. Yeah, I'm thinking, what's he doing? What's he doing? What's he doing? What's he saying? What's he saying? What's he saying? What's he saying? Oh, a bombshell. Oh, got me. Right here. We'll be back next week. Talk to you then, everyone. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long.